Um, uh, my name's Jeff. Um, I don't know uh, about you. Uh, I had a really hard week. Um, anybody have a hard week? Just raise your hand. Like, I had a hard, hard week. And sometimes I worry that we, maybe we come into church and we just go like, oh, everybody's got their stuff together. And, you know, it's like, just, oh, it's fine. Like, it's not like, it's, it's been a hard week. And uh, I just, I don't want to come up and pretend. I think a lot of times we pretend. So I don't want to pretend. It's been a really hard week. I'm really, really excited uh, to be able to teach this morning. Um, but it's been a really hard week for our family. Um, and one of the things I, I was thinking of as well, I was getting prepared is like, I think we just need to sit with the scriptures a little bit before we kind of get into it. So Philippians 2, 1 through 11, it'll be on the screen. But if you have your Bible, here's what I'd like you to do. Just take a few minutes and it's like kind of ah, like read over the passage. What is the Lord speaking to you? Like, as you read it right now, like, what is he speaking to you? What is he telling you? Uh, what is the Spirit of God? Before we get into to teaching it, I want you to sit with the passage. So it's up on screen, or you can do your phones or, or your Bible. But let's just uh, let's sit with the passage for a little bit. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and in one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours. In Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said, Father God, we love you. We come to you this morning eager and anticipating what it is that you want to bring to us. Thank you that your word returns without void, that you're preaching now to the hearts of your people. Spirit, you're speaking now to the hearts of your people. You're already preaching to their hearts. The testimony of Paul and the early church now resonates with us this local church, in the context of your global church, we want to learn. Teach us today. Show us what it is we need to see and hear and do. We love you. We thank you. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen. Uh, we've been in this Philippian series uh, for the last few weeks. Uh, and a part of this is, is we have such a deep heart 
to, to talk about mental health because it is one of the things in our culture right now that people are now being aware of. And so we want to be a church that's teaching about it. And so we were struggling to how to present it. We could go from passage to passage to passage, but we just felt like Philippians was a way. Ryan, our pastor, just felt like Philippians was a way in which we could help it explain it and, and how. But we go, well, look at Paul. Like, Paul, 19 times in this letter to the Philippian church, which he loves so deeply, talks about joy. And yet, he's in prison. We see him with a peace that passes all understanding. It's like as you're reading the letter, and I hope you've been reading it, you're like, what's up with this dude? Like, what's going on? He's in shackles, you know? But he's just proclaiming the goodness and the glory. And we was like, that's it? Like, we got to teach our church this. Like, this isn't some, like, you know, just take this magic pill and then all of your anxieties go away. No, we got to teach that. Look at Paul. Like, Paul is an example for us. He's showing for us what it is in the midst of really difficult things, really hard times, how to walk alongside of that whole, full of the goodness of God. And he's not so... So self-concerned with himself. In fact, he's so full of the glory of God that he's concerned about this church. I'd be like, you know what, church? Figure it out. I got my stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm in prison. And yet Paul's like, no, I got to let you know this. Why? Where's that come from? A fullness and a wholeness of what he's understanding of who God is and what God is teaching him. And I think local churches, Christians, have lost their way as it relates to this good news. I think we've conformed to this world, conformed to the patterns of thinking this world has offered to us, instead of not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Like something has been disconnected, and as a result of it, in this time in our history, we have the highest levels of depression, anxiety, and I wonder if this is just the Lord going, it's time to wake up. It's got to pay attention. He loves you so much. He loves me so much that he's desperately trying to wake us up. We can't keep going like this. And so because you're a part of a body, we love you and we want to share truth with you. And I want you to know I am preaching this to myself. I do not have this figured out, but I come to you humbly going, I'm trying to work on this myself. But could we do it together? Could we learn and grow together? Because we are called to be a people that point people to a life and life to the full. That's what Jesus said. I want to bring you life and life to the full. And we, the people of Jesus, are to proclaim that. But it's hard to preach something and to lead somebody somewhere that you haven't been. And maybe for some of you, you've been there, and maybe you've lost your way. I think that's a lot of us. Some of you, you're just on the journey. But we are called as the people of God, Christians, to lead the way in life, in life to the full. But there is a disconnect in somewhere. And so Paul's like, can we talk? <laughs> Paul's like saying to this local church, I need to tell you some stuff that I'm working through, that I'm thinking through because I love you. And this local church is saying, we need to talk about some stuff because we love you and we care for you. And as a body, we want to grow up together. Amen?
So that's what we're gonna do today. And that's what we're gonna do throughout this series is talk about stuff that's not easy and that we're all working through. So let's just get on the same page and work through it uh, together. So uh, when my son was like two, he's 19 now, part of the reason why this week's been hard is we send him off to school. And anyway, um, when he was two years old, not, how many of you watched Nacho Libre? How many of you have seen that movie? Yeah, you know, right? You know if you know, right? It's so good. Uh, and we were all in Nacho Libre with the kids. We loved it, so fun. And so I was on a staff at a church, and we were doing a staff retreat in Rocky Point, right? Closest ocean we have to us, right? It's Rocky Point, right? So we go to the ocean, and I was like hoping, hoping that we could go shopping in the, because I was like, maybe they'll have these luchador outfits. That'd be so cool. Because I, I had this image in my mind of my two boys with luchador outfits just crushing each other. Anyway, um, so... So I found them. I found one with just the mask, and then I found another one that was like the mask, and it had a cape attached to it. And I gave that one to Cooper. Uh, Cooper is our, our middle son. And so I gave it to Cooper, and, uh, and he, you know, the boys would wrestle and stuff like that. It was awesome. Um, and then uh, one day we're having dinner with some friends. I, I think it wasn't two. I think he was probably five, five or six. Anyway, uh, we're having some uh, dinner with some friends, and Cooper runs down the stairs in tidy whities with this luchador on and goes, ah! and he's just running and bouncing around, right? And I was like, what's up with this kid? This is, and we were dying laughing, you know, because it was just so random. But I thought about that this week in light of this passage, believe it or not. You're like, really? Um, I saw a freedom there. Freedom, childlike faith, identity not corrupted by the culture around him, not worried about a bunch of people judging him. No, man, I got my undies on and I'm running around like Nacho Libre. And I was like, something has happened to us. It's why Jesus is like, look to the kids. The kids are completely dependent on their moms and their dads. And they have a sense of security in that, in a healthy home. We have lost that, a lot of us. That security in God the Father through his son Jesus and the Spirit. And our identity is rooted in all these wrong things. John Vignier says this, all of us have a secret desire to be seen as saints, heroes, and martyrs. We are afraid to be children, to be ourselves. For so many of us, our identities are wrapped up into our circumstances instead of our Christ. Circumstance is crushing so many of you. So many of us. It's our eyes are focused in on circumstance and not on Christ. And what Paul is saying is we got to think through this because it's impacting your health and the health of the ecclesia, the body, but most important, it's messing with the good news proclaimed to the culture that we would be a light unto the nations that would draw them into the Lord. Because circumstances is micromanaging our mental wherewithal. And we've capitulated ourselves to the chaos that ensues. Instead of Christ in us, the hope, of glory. This is who we're called to be. This is what Paul is saying. And so he holds up this, these rhetorical questions in verse one. He's essentially saying to them, do you know how 
to receive the encouragement from Christ you need to. I know you're going through hard things, he says to this local church. Receive the encouragement from Christ. Could there be any other greater encouragement than the encouragement of Christ, the one who's been there, the one who knows? He says, receive comfort from love. How many of you need to be comforted today with the love of Christ in your hearts? How many of you have been wounded and hurt? Receive the comfort of love from Christ, Paul says. Participation in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is speaking to you right now. Are you listening? Do you feel the conviction in your heart, in your soul, to move forward in the way of Jesus? The Spirit is speaking and helping you. That's the Spirit's job is to help her. Any affection? How many of you need to receive the affection of the Father? Sons and daughters of the Most High God, receive your blessing, the affection of God in sympathy. He sympathizes with us, it says in Hebrews. We have a great high priest who sympathizes with our hurts and pains, which means this, you're not alone. God is not far away in your pain and your hurt. He's near you. So Paul starts there and he goes, complete my joy by receiving these gifts he wants to give to you. Receive them. Don't push them away. Don't push them away. It's why you're getting sick. It's why you're hurt. Don't push them away. And then he sets for us the goal. And this is not just the goal of this section of scripture. This is the goal of Paul's pastoral ministry. It's why he's in prison. Being of the same mind. Having the same love being in full accord with one mind. He wants us to be unified. A unified church is a strong church, is a healthy church. It's a church that's leading people to Jesus because they're leaning in to him and to one another. That's what he wants. That's the goal of what it is to be a body with many parts. When one of us wins, we all win. Guess what? We're winning today. Because some of you in this room are crushing it. Well done, right? It's awesome. Some of you are hurting and you're failing. And so guess what? We're all failing today. And we live in the paradox of these two realities, these, this tension that we find ourselves in with Jesus as our focus. Be unified. I, uh, I, we, I restarted Phoenix One. Phoenix One is my, the nonprofit I run. Um, and we started 11 years ago and, and we restarted a year and a half ago. And so my wife is at Target. People love Target. I don't know what it is, right? But people love Target. They walk into Target. And I'm like, it's just kind of like, whatever. It's like a nicer Walmart, right? But like, people love Target. I don't get it. But uh, she went into Target and there's t-shirts that said Unity on it, right? Um, and so she got one for me because she's like, that's kind of your thing. Like, that's what you do. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's cool. So I bought them for our whole team. I thought it was cool. And then I started thinking like, Target's version of Unity it's so vastly different than the biblical view of unity, right? Target's view of unity is actually division and separation. It becomes about what do you, what do you, what, do you what is on your mind? What do you want? And everyone has to affirm that. Whereas the biblical understanding of unity is this is going to cost you your life. 
It's going to cause you to give up what your will wants to do on behalf of other people. We have missed this, this calling, this movement, because our unity is for the community. We come together as one. One, it does benefit us, but it's for the community. John 17, 23 says, so that we may become perfectly, listen to that, perfectly one. Why? So that people will come to know the love of Jesus. That's why we come together. That's why Paul is concerned with this. He's like, this has to be rooted in something so much bigger than you. So much bigger than your wants or desires or your personal preferences. It's got to be bigger than that. And so he's like, listen, this is a part of completing my joys, receiving from the Father what he wants to give to you through his son Jesus and the inspiration of the Spirit, but also that you would be one so that we can proclaim the goodness of Jesus in the spaces and places he's called us to. But then he transitions to say, but there's a problem. There is a problem. Verses three and four, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own con- uh, into his own interests, but also, also the interests of others. He said, the problem is this, is there is selfishness in the local church. He could have talked about a thousand different things that is coming against the unity of the church and the problems, and he's going, it's selfishness. And selfishness is breeding division, and division is crushing the good news of Jesus Christ. And please don't be selfish. The core of every human dysfunction starts with division. That's why so many of you are sick, hurt, lost. Because you've allowed a spirit, a division of selfishness. You become selfish sufferers. Many of us have become selfish sufferers and all we can reflect upon is ourselves and we cannot consider others, which by the way, this is as old. From the beginning of time, Genesis 1, God makes all things good because God is good. He created us in his yada, in his image. We are his image bearers. And he said, it's good. Genesis 3. Satan comes along to what God has made good and he offers mankind a choice. And mankind chose wrong. And as a result of that, division with God, division with one another. This is Satan's temptation that continues still today. But here's the problem is we have bought into it. We have, we're living our lives this way. That's why so many of us don't feel right. We're sick. We're sick with selfishness. We're sick with division. When I was 12 years old, my, my mom took us to the, to the park. And, and we lived at the top of the hill and the park was at the bottom. And we used to do like Sunday deals there. And uh, so we, we go to the park, and I sit at the picnic table with my mom. And uh, 
my dad's not there, it's just me and my two sisters, I'm the oldest. And she said, I'm divorcing your father. Um, I'm, I'm going to live with another man. And I'm like, but you promised you'd never do that. And she said, I know, and she left. Division crushed me, crushed our family. Some of you are living out this divorce way of life. You're divorcing yourself from the body of Christ. You're divorcing yourself from uh, Christians. You're, you're, you're divorcing, dividing, right? And our culture is feeding you this stuff. If you're, if you're blue, I can't have anything to do with you. If you're red, I can't have anything to do with you. If you're not for this, then I can't do it. Some of you used to have really great friendships and now they no longer exist. Some of you used to be close with your family and now it's divided. Some of you used to attend another church but because they, you, you let, you, we're divorcing ourselves from the body. And Satan is delighted. We have algorithms who are feeding us pride. Feeding us exactly what we want. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong that doesn't agree with me. And the spirit of God is grieving because the gospel is it moving forward because we're selfish and we're sick. Our family got sick when my mom left. Hurt. The body of Christ is that. That's why Paul's like, please don't. No selfish ambition. Consider others as more important, even more important than yourself. I'm not telling you to not consider yourself. I'm telling you, the people that in your life, the believers in your life, while not perfect, they are important. And it's so much bigger than you. They will know you. This world will know us by our love. But that is not what they're seeing from us. They're seeing division. And Paul's like, please stop. Please stop. Please stop, because division equals isolation, and it is the perfect place for Satan to crush us. For so many of us, we're in this world like this. You feel like you have to be like this. When Jesus is like this. If you're like this, your soul is sick. Let go. Open your arms. It's okay. It's okay. Do not be afraid, for I am with you, he says. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Fear is making the local church sick, and Paul knows it and it's dividing and divorcing itself from one another. So what do we do? We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. That's what Paul says, look to Jesus. I had to go to the optometrist, and I sat with the optometrist, and the optometrist said, I think it's time for you to wear glasses full time. And I went, I don't want to. And she said, how old are you? And I said, 45. And she said, it's time. So that was fun. I always love being like, you're super old. Um, 
So I go in and she gives me a prescription and come to find out I have to get bifocals, okay? But they don't call them bifocals anymore because they don't want you to feel old, right? They call them transitions, right? Transition. See, you're not old. Like they're transition lenses, not bifocals, right? So I get my transition lenses, which was this pair right here. And I put on my transition lenses and I'm like, all of you are very blurry right now. It's just like a weird dream, right? I'm like, this isn't right. So I go back and I go, something's wrong. And she goes, oh, they only sent you the, the ones that, the readers, they only sent you those. The, the prescription is wrong. These are the right ones. I can see you clearly. And I can actually read, right? We're incomplete. Our perception of who Jesus is is incomplete. Many of you, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're not living like him. You're not looking like him. And it's making you sick. It's actually impacting your mental health because your mental health isn't compartmentalized from the rest of your life. Your rest of your life is a part of it. But because we're not looking to Jesus, as, as Hebrew says, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, we're sick and hurting and disunified and selfish. And so what? What does Paul say? He goes, I, I can help you with this. He says this, look to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus did nothing from selfish ambition. Nothing. He had no conceit in him. He was humble. He considered others more significant than himself. He looked to the interests of others. He incarnated. He emptied himself of his divinity, just in case. Side note, no other God in any other religion comes to its creation and humbles himself, pours himself out so that he can relate with us. No other God. On top of that, no other God dies for his people as they mock him. How beautiful is Jesus? How beautiful is his example? And Paul's going, look to Jesus, do what Jesus does. Do you want to get healthy and whole? Look to what Jesus did. Allow your life to resemble that level of sacrifice, that level of love. You will find so much meaning in your life, so much fulfillment, so much fullness, knowing that this life is not about you. It's about Christ, and it's about one another. It's almost like you can hear Paul's pastoral cry, just like, please, I know what it is to run down a road and doing my own thing, feeling smart, but I, I want to empty myself the same way that Christ emptied himself. And as I sit here in this prison cell, all I can do is proclaim the goodness of who Jesus is and beg this local church to live that way. And I would imagine for so many of you, you're like, well, that's the whole thing, right? Yeah, that is the whole thing. But sometimes we gotta preach the gospel to ourselves, right, Christians? We gotta preach the, we've forgotten. We gotta preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over because we have forgotten. All it takes is for Fox News to present to us an article of fear or CNN to pr provide an article of fear and then we go crash and burn. Our brains were never meant to take in the amount of information that we take in and we feed it every day. You're being pastored, but it is it by the Spirit of God. 
And if we look at the condition of all churches across the world, but specifically in the United States, we're sick. We're hurting because we've forgotten to look at Jesus and live like Jesus. Or we're so focused on circumstance that we cannot see Christ. Our unity in Christ to Christ will unify people to Christ. As we love one another, Jesus' promise to us is that people will come to know Jesus, the good news. And that's a life bigger than you and I could ever think of or live. That's real health. And it all stems uh, there. Uh, how, how many of you uh, have ever done a puzzle? Anybody ever done a puzzle? Raise your hand if you've ever done a puzzle, yeah? Okay. All of us are, yeah, right? Like what's important, if you're gonna put a puzzle together, what's the most important part of, a, of putting a puzzle together? You gotta have what? The picture, you gotta have a picture, right? To know where you're going. You gotta, you gotta know, how many of you have ever lost a piece of a puzzle, right? How many of you have ever done that? You know that pain, right? Yeah. How many of you have ever tried to put together puzzle pieces, but they just won't work? They don't go in together, right? The, right? The, the pieces, and you try to jam it in there, and it just doesn't work, and, and the edges are a little bit frayed. So, so think about this. What if one day, all that frustration of trying to put this puzzle of your life together, and the pieces just aren't going in, and it's so frustrating. You're like, why am I not happy? Why can't I find contentment? Why, won't, why wasn't my life working? What's going on, right? It doesn't matter what job you get. It doesn't matter who you marry or who you date. Like, it, just the pieces aren't fitting. And it's like, I, I, I just thought that, that maybe if I got married, then everything would work out. Or if I had a baby or, or if I dated this guy or if I got married, or if I got that job or if I got that much money or if I had that much money in the bank account or my 401k. But the, the pieces just aren't, it's just like I'm never happy. I'm not satisfied. The pieces of your life are not fitting. And all the day, one day, you like wake up and you're like, I'm, I keep looking to the picture, and the, but it's not working out. And all of a sudden, one day you realize that on the edge of the box, there's a little edge that's lifted up. And you're like, huh. You start lifting it up and you realize the real picture is underneath, that you've pasted something over on top. You realize like all the pain and the hurt the disappointment, that thing that your mom said to you, your dad said to you. You just put a picture over who Christ says you are. And, and all of a sudden, this is a discovery process. Oh my gosh, and then you grab the pieces and you start putting it together and you can't rip it because you know that weird like sticky stuff and then you can't, right? So you gotta take it slow, maybe get a... Uh, maybe get a blow dryer and you're just lifting it up and then you start putting the pieces together and you start going, this is what Paul's trying to do. You have a false understanding of who you are. And it's impacting the edges of your life. And what Paul is saying is look to Jesus. Find your hope in Jesus. Look to the body of Christ. And wherever there is division in your life, just know Satan is trying to make you sick. Because sick Christians aren't serving Christians. 
And so the Spirit of God wants to revive your heart. He wants to remind you of your true identity, that you are a son and daughter of the Most High God. No one knew mental health more than Jesus. He's in the garden weeping. He stands over Jerusalem. He weeps. He hurts. He sympathizes with you. Find him. I could give you a really good self-help sermon. You could read a self-help book, but without Jesus, it won't make any difference. Three years ago, some of you know this, I got a cancer diagnosis because I had high levels of anxiety over my whole life and I never felt it. Why? I had the wrong picture. I was trying to prove to everybody that I was a somebody. Instead of just falling into the hands of Jesus and go, you love me, you know me, you see me. I have nothing to prove and no one to impress. I just want to be your son. And I want to serve the people that you've put in front of me. This is the gospel. This is the free gift that Jesus gives to you and to me. Stop living a divided life, a divorced life from the body of Christ and from Christ himself. You are so important, but we have got to stop giving in to what this culture is feeding us and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords by emptying ourselves in the same way he did so that many people will come to know him. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, you know all week I, I struggled. I did, I did, I still do. I just feel like I've got to keep preaching this to myself. Spirit, I feel that you are moving in the hearts of your people here. Sometimes church is really good for rah, rah. But church is also a really good place for repentance. So we look to you, Jesus, our pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and we bring to you these sins of division. We are not looking like you. We're not serving like you. Would you awaken us to these sins in our lives? Call us home to your loving arms so we receive our value, our fullness, our wholeness in you so that we can go reciprocate it to the world. We love you and we thank you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, amen.